don't know what that was. <laughs> it just got really weird. <laughs> you gotta have a cat in your scary movie. Yes. Did you just hear that, Penelope meow? Oh, Penelope wants to make spooky noises. Petrina, Petrina just meowed too. Oh, oh my God. they know. They know. They're like, They're that's our genre. <laughs> all right. Um, yes. All right. Hi. Welcome to Book Squad Gold. We're talking about Horror Store with Lady Hendrix today. Um, today, to introduce ourselves, everyone, say your name and uh, what horror movie subgenre is scariest to you. Susan, you want to go first? I'm Susan. Um, I think this is hard for me because I really love scary movies, but I think paranormal stuff is what is probably the scariest thing to me. Not not demon possession, but yeah. I'm going to second that. I'm Kelly. Hi, Kelly. And uh, I also find paranormal stuff really scary, but m- only before the paranormal stuff, like, becomes visible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, like, scariest when you can't see it and, like, the buildup and everything. Yeah. is terrifying. Like, haunted house shit before you see the ghosts. When stuff's amping up at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I am Mary, and I think the scariest subgenre for me is body horror. Uh, Like, American Horror Story Season 2 just really got to me. Can I have an example of body horror? So the stuff where, uh, um, like, where Chloe Sevigny gets all like chopped up and experimented on. Yes, like people getting lobotomies and or like the fly, gore. like people turning into some gross thing in their yeah, bodies, like yeah. out of their control. Yeah, cool. Which maybe that says a lot about me. I don't know. No, I yeah. feel that's like my second one. Probably it's really hard for me to watch stuff like that. Well, my name is Emily. Uh, I am also a really huge horror movie fan. Maybe that's part of the reason I picked this book. Um, I would say what I find scariest in horror movies, because I like all the genres, um, just like I think anything dealing with like darkness and not knowing what's happening in the darkness is like really scary to me. Like I'm even very scared by the Evil Dead movies because the idea of like something being out there in the dark woods is very scary to me. So, yes, I realize that Evil Dead is hilarious <laughs> and cheesy, but also, like, I like I like being scared, so I, like, allow myself to be scared by things like that. But, yeah, I'm afraid of the dark, everyone. That's I was okay. going to say that serial killer stuff is, like, my maybe my second one, because a lot of those movies oh, yeah. where it's, like, a house in, in the woods or something, there's something out there, and it's usually a person. Mm-hmm. That scares me. Yeah. But I love serial killers also. <laughs> I love serial killers too. I just want to hug a serial killer sometimes. I didn't mean it like that. I mean, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, no. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm not like proud of their work. <laughs> I just want a serial killer as a pin pal. So let me introduce the book to you guys. Um, I stole this from Goodreads, um, but I thought this was a good intro. Um, something strange. <laughs> Is happening. I don't know this. Ghostbusters. Oh. Yeah, being a call. Ghostbusters. Um, Ghostbusters. All right. So anyway, something strange <laughs> in neighborhood is happening at Orsk Furniture Superstore in Cleveland, Ohio. Every morning, employees arrive to find broken, oh boy, conjuring bookshelves, slept, shattered glands, water goblets, and smashed 
Lirapip wardrobes. <laughs> Sales are down. Security cameras reveal nothing, and store managers are panicking. To unravel the mystery, three employees volunteer to work a nine-hour dust-till-dawn shift. In the dead of night, they'll patrol the empty showroom floor, investigate strange sights and sounds, and encounter horrors that defy the imagination. A traditional haunted house story in a thoroughly contemporary setting, Horror Store comes packaged in the form of a glossy mail-order catalog, complete with product illustrations, a home delivery order form, and a map of Ors Labyrinthine showroom. I don't know. Did I say that right? Labyrinthine? I don't know why that's hard to say. Um, yeah, Labyrinthine. It's a weird... Yeah, nobody uses that word. <laughs> Except for this Goodreads writer. But, I mean, there is, like, a labyrinth map in the back of the book, so it's it's accurate. Um, so that is the book that we are uh, talking about. And um, I've been really excited about talking about this book. I read My Best Friend's Exorcism and really, really loved it. Loved it so much that I made Mary read it so that I could talk. And then I read it <laughs> in one day and I loved it. Um, so I was like, I must read more from Grady Hendrix immediately. And immediately was like several months later because I'm busy. But <laughs> here we are getting to talk about it. So. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about this book. I love scary stuff. Um, my best friend's exorcism was by far the fav- my favorite thing I read last year. So I'm very, very excited to talk about this book. And I was wondering, um, what did you guys think? What was your initial, what are your initial reactions to this book? As always, it's worth saying, spoilers will follow past this point. <laughs> oh, yes. And if you haven't read the book... You can listen if you don't care about being spoiled, or you can go read it. Why aren't you reading this, the book? Go read it. Yeah. And obviously, this is a you know book that is very like plot oriented. So this is probably one that like if you do plan on reading it, it's more fun to read it. I would think if you don't know what's going to happen. Yes, and it's a very quick read, so you could pause it and go read it and come right back. Um, mm-hmm. And if you haven't read it, consider entering our giveaway. We are giving away. A copy of this book and My Best Friend's Exorcism, which I will be blogging about, which I have blogged about at this point. I'm so optimistic. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, all you have to do to enter is rate us and review us on iTunes and email us and let us know what your name is and how we can get the stuff to you if you win. Um, obviously, uh we want you to give us a good review so maybe if you want us to send you stuff don't give us like a one-star review and then be like hey i rated you assholes send me some shit because i'll send you something all right (laughs) maybe it just might not be the book it might be a lump of coal no assholes anyway Enter our giveaway. We love you. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> that makes it sound like everyone's been giving us one-star reviews, which is not even true. <laughs> no, yeah. we've gotten very good reviews. Thank you. We're actually doing super great things. Thank you. <laughs> We're doing super great. We don't need you, but we want you. Stay. Okay, anyway. Um, so what did you guys think about the book? I enjoyed it, but I enjoyed it in a different way from the other books that we've talked about so far. Uh-huh. Um, and even in a different way than My Best Friend's Exorcism. I think My Best Friend's Exorcism has a lot to say about friendship and like teenage girl relationships that's very interesting and complex. Mm-hmm. But Horror Store is more of a satire. Yeah. I think, doesn't Quirk Books 
publish it. Yes. So Quirk is known for like Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters and Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and that sort of thing. Android Karenina. <laughs> and so I didn't know that was one. It's, it's oh good. <laughs> yeah. And so I wonder if maybe this was sort of Grady Hendrix's way of getting in with quirk books, writing sort of a plot-driven satire of Ikea that's entertaining and has some genuinely creepy moments, but maybe doesn't have that complexity of his second book. But I enjoyed it. This isn't his second book. He actually um, had a book before... He he had a book um, before Horror Store called uh, Satan Loves You, um, which I have not read, and I, I don't really know. And also, he's... Horror Store is probably like his breakout book, but it's not technically his first book. Oh, he has several books. Yeah, My Best Friend's Exorcism is his most recent book. Um, and I, I definitely can see some, it's it's more complex, maybe because it is a newer book, or maybe just because, like Mary's saying, it, the intention of the book is different. Still, still entertaining, but in a different way. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Oh, wait, aren't we, we're supposed to be saying our star reviews. So, Mary, what is your star review? Oh, goodness, I don't remember. I think I gave it three out of five. Let me check, though. I feel bad. It might have been four out of five. It's hard to, like, compare this to other books because it is so different. And I found myself struggling to give it a rating. It It is hard to give a rating because it's, like, there are things about it that that I really liked and responded to, such as, like, the overall concept and, like, the design of the book because, like, I'm a graphic designer and (laughs) I, like, really appreciate it when a book is, like, put together to, like, make the experience of reading it more enjoyable. Um, And, like, the cover is really cool. We should mention the cover is designed by Andy Reid and the cover photography is by Christine Ferrara. And... The photo on the cover is actually, like, a miniature, and it's, like... I thought that it was. I was curious. It yeah, like I, like, read the inside, and it's it, like, talks or says something about, like, miniatures photographed by or something like that, which is so cool. It's, yeah. like, a little diorama thing. Anyway, it's really just cool to look at, and it has these, like, pages inside that are, like, you know, whatever the piece of furniture is in a description, and they get increasingly weirder and creepier as it goes on. And so I really liked that about it. And, but like, I agree with what Mary was saying that I felt like there was, I felt like a lot of it was very surface level and there is like a central like metaphor, I guess, that we're going to talk about later. Um, but overall I felt like a little bit like I really, really liked the idea, but I just felt lukewarm towards like the story and the characters. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I didn't not like it, but and it, it was fast reading and enjoyable for sure. And there were some really scary parts. Yes. So, which yeah. we will also talk about. Yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Moving on. No, just yeah, kidding. I was. No, I was um, uh, based on how excited I was because of how it looked and felt and stuff. I was a little let down by this. It wasn't the story I was let down by. I think it was maybe the characters that I mm-hmm. trying to feel out what it really was. But yeah, I wasn't all that invested in the in the characters. But I did really. I mean, I enjoyed reading it, and it was it was fast. It was kind of like a treat read. Mm-hmm. And I love I love 
scary stuff. So I was, I was into all of that, but I just wasn't all that invested in the people and their relationships. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. I gave it, oh, I'm sorry. Um, Kelly and Susan, what do you know what you rated it on Goodreads? So I haven't rated it yet. Um, I haven't either. It's, t- it's tough. Cause like when we were talking about white teeth where you're like, can I rate it differently for different parts? Right. Because yeah. like, like execution and like, oh, like general concept, I would give it like a four or like execution of the design and everything. But mm-hmm. as for like this, the actual like story and the way that it plays out, I would maybe give it like a two. Yeah. I, I was going to say like two and a half if I had yeah. to just. There are no half stars on Goodreads, Susan. I know, I know. So <laughs> three, this is my problem. I always want to give everything a two and a half or a three and a half. So I have to I give everything a three. <laughs> so yeah. I say three every single time. But yeah, I guess a three. <laughs> Fair. Um, I actually gave this, I gave this a four. Um, and I'll explain why. I definitely agree with everything you guys are saying. And so like, I think I'm, probably rating this on a different scale than I would rate something like white teeth. Um, because I, I think the intention is very, is different. If you expect the same type of thing from a book like this, then yeah, I think it probably deserves a lower star rating than white teeth, even though I definitely personally like this book better than white teeth. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I, I mean, they're just not even, no, they're not comparable, but I like for that reason, I think like I was rating this on a different, I don't know, like the stars for a book like this mean something different to me than stars for like something that's a little bit more substantial because reading this, um, I guess I was just expecting something different from it. We could, we could talk about this all day because it gets into the age old question of capital L literature versus (laughs) genre fiction. Yeah. Which I kind of think is bullshit, but I also I really, I really enjoy reading what's um, often ghettoized as genre fiction. Um, for instance, Interview with a Vampire is one of my favorite books ever. It's um, great. And a lot of people think like, oh, Anne Rice, like, that's not real literature. But you know what? Like, just Fuck just you. because, just because Anne Rice wrote some sexy books. Oh, yeah. Well, I feel like that about Stephen King. Like, I love Stephen, I love even like a lot of what would be considered his worst books. <laughs> so Stephen King's great. Maybe one day we'll talk about a Stephen King book on here. What I was like <laughs> underwhelmed by in this in horror store doesn't have anything to do with the genre or it being genre. For fiction. sure. Oh yeah. Like it's just a, I think it's mostly a character thing for me, but yeah, I also agree with, yeah, it's bullshit when you, that's why I don't know how to rate it. Like, I want to put it on the same type of scale because it is still literature. Right. <laughs> but then, like Emily is saying, the expectations are different, so. Yeah. But I want to consider it as, like, an equal to, like, I shouldn't mm-hmm. think of it as, like, well, this book is less good because it's genre, so I'll I'll give it a curve, like a grading curve or something. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, even, like, I, I would say a book like this is less substantial than, like, a lot of Stephen King books or, um, like, Interview of the Vampire stuff like that. It's not, again, like, I don't think it's even trying to do the same thing as, like, a book like that. Um, no. To me, this book felt like dessert after we've had like two pretty heavy meals. Yeah. You know? yeah <laughs> like yeah. I was ready for like a little <laughs> light dessert, like a, 
like a popsicle or something. So this was a, yeah. this was a very no, delicious popsicle. It definitely popsicle it came at the right time, I think, in the sequence <laughs> yeah. of what we've been reading before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, overall, I think I would recommend this book. However, I definitely, definitely would highly recommend if this interest you, interested you guys at all, um, then definitely try My Best Friend's Exorcism because I am obsessed with that book. I love it so much. Yes. Um, I really want to read that one. And that actually sounds more. Yeah. Well, like I would have picked it somehow. I so. would have picked it for this, but Mary and I had already read it. So it seemed like. I will say there is a lot of, there's a lot of gross body horror stuff in My Best Friend's Exorcism. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, but I'm into it. Yeah. I don't really mind. Like, I don't get as scared when I'm reading stuff as I do when I'm watching it yeah, just because I'm a more visual person I think so we so. so we talked a little bit um about the design of the book um but I feel like this definitely is a topic that deserves a little bit more conversation so we said you know it was designed by Andy Reid and the cover of photography was by Christine Ferrara Ferrara um sorry I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce things. Sorry, Christine. All right, sorry, Christine. We obviously we think you did a great job. We just don't know. You did. Anyway, um, how aside from the actual like content of the story, how do we feel about the design of the book? I feel like I kind of know you guys' answer already, but um, do we feel like it enhanced the reading experience at all? Yes, <laughs> because. Um, <laughs> I, so personally, I love and hate Ikea. Uh-huh. And it's so spot on. I mean, <laughs> it looks like a thick Ikea catalog. Uh-huh. And my favorite part is each chapter has a unique picture in front of it. And the chapters might... Like it starts off normal, mm-hmm. and it's like here's here's a chair, here's a couch, and it's furniture that they're talking about in the story. But then it gets weird, and there's a point where it's like, here's the chair they strap you into against your will. <laughs> here's the metal helmet you have to wear <laughs> yeah. when you're taken into an underground ghost lair. And I think that adds to the ambiance of the novel, and it's fun seeing all those different illustrations and seeing the creepy things portrayed like regular IKEA items. Yeah, and it, it wouldn't that have been cool. as good without it. A lot of the humor comes with those illustrations too, and with the um, the other kind of non-story parts of the book, where there's um, you know like employee evaluation scores and. Um, Orsk manual, HR kind of stuff that's also funny and satirical. Yeah. And that's another thing that this is not even really design related, but just like the humor of this book is like one of the best things about it, I think, because it is really, really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, there, like a lot of the like snarky comments that are just in like the like narration are funny too. Um, also the, uh, if you have any questions, just Orsk. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's, best. that's like the tagline that it's on their name tags and everything. Cause the name of the store is Orsk, obviously. Um, I'm explaining this joke to you guys. So obviously it's not <laughs> funny anymore, but you know, oh, jokes are way funnier when you have to explain them. <laughs> you know, it's funny because Orsk ask, you know, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of sound like, oh. 
I was also going to say that at points, um, the illustrations do get a little scary. Um, for me, the graffiti was actually the scariest part of the book is when she, um, goes into the bathroom and sees that, uh, there's graffiti in the bathroom that wasn't there like the last time she was in there, um, even though the store is closed. Um, and it's all this graffiti about like the beehive. And rather than just having that written in there, we actually get to see what the text looks like on the wall. Um, and I found that part like really creepy. Um, Me too. So, I mean, even though this book is humorous overall, I did feel like there were moments of scary stuff going on. And I guess like that's also a question I wanted to ask you guys is, was this book scary at all? Yes. I thought this book was, it started out pretty scary. And then as with most horror movies, it like becomes less scary the more you know. Yes. Or most horror books, I guess. Like the more information you find out, at least for me, this is how I feel, where like the the unknown is the scariest thing possible. So mm-hmm. like I'm less I'm less scared once I know like, oh, this is what's happening. I we can see these like scary characters, but like the beginning parts where to me the scariest part, um well there's two parts that that were really scary to me. The first part was when at the very beginning when she's in the store in the morning, like, before it's technically open, and she sees this dude just, like, standing, like, across the store, like, in, in an aisle. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, he's not wearing a uniform. And, like, I don't know how he got in here. And he just is, like, looking at her. And then he, like, goes away. He, like, quickly goes away. And she's, like, okay, that was weird. And, like, that to me is fucking terrifying because... Oh, Yeah. <laughs> it's just like what <laughs> what are you supposed to do in that And she's like eh. Yeah, she I'm like confused by how I mean and I always feel this way in scary things because this is just the nature of like it has to take them a while a while to figure it out. But the the amount of denial that is occurring in this story, <laughs> like up until they finally accept that some weird shit is going on. And it takes actual demon possession before they're like, Okay, maybe yeah. there are ghosts here yeah, or wait something a second. like that. And that's the other part that I found really scary is when um, they go to have the seance. So, like, this group of people – we should explain why they're having a seance, I guess. Yeah, go for it. Um, So, like, you know, as we said in the plot description, these people are there to, like, weird shit is going on. They're going to find out what's happening. So the the three people – who have signed up to take the shift are there, and then they discover that two other coworkers of theirs – have also come to the store at night, but these two people are convinced that the store is haunted. They already are like, this is ghosts. <laughs> so <laughs> they're like, they've brought a camera and they're like, we're going to make like a, um, like a paranormal reality show, like ghost hun- hunters or whatever. But not um, on A&E. Not on A&E. It's going to be on Bravo. <laughs> Um, that's but they, which I love. I love the one with the real housewives. Yeah. Yes. So, um, anyway, so they, they are the ones whose idea it is to have a seance because they're like, there are ghosts here. We're going to record this. We're going to have a seance. Even if the, even if nothing happens, like it'll look really cool on camera. So they set up their cameras and then they set up these like, um, did they, they found candles in the mm-hmm. store, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, um, they set them up at this table. Um, and they're all sitting around along with the random, like, inexplicable homeless guy who's in the store, and they just accept that Carl 
they'll just accept that he, you know, is just, like, here in the store and some weird stuff happened and he's like, but, you know, I have seizures and I black out, so I don't know what I did last night. And they're like, okay. And <laughs> That's fine. You, like, hang out with us, why don't you, Carl? So they <laughs> they sit at this table and they start having a seance. And, like, while they're doing this, like, Trinity, who is um, the the character who is, like, the most – like, believes in ghosts the most, and she's the one who wants to be the host of this show. And she's very, like, her character, which we can get into talking about their characters more, but she's very, like, hyped up and peppy, and, you know, Amy, who's the main character, hates her, of course, because Amy hates everyone, which, you know. But Trinity is trying to do the seance, and she, like, leans back her head, and she starts, like, drooling, and... Yes! It's so... Like, the way that this plays out is so fucking terrifying because like amy is like looking at her and she's like is she falling asleep like why is she drooling Mm -hmm. and then she just this like big spit bubble like forms out of her mouth and then it becomes this like giant like white milky like it's so creepy i was like and that's like the first really like scary moment of like something weird is happening here that's like not just like a is that weird or is it like graffiti but this is like this is happening Mm -hmm. and it's really bizarre. And so that was, like, super scary to me. And I feel like after that point, it got less and less scary. <laughs> but that was, like, the height of terror in this book. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Um, it, it To me, it was much scarier in the beginning. And then the more we know, the less scary it is. And the more it just becomes weird rather than scary. Yes. The scariest part to me was just the disorientation yeah. stuff. Yeah, um, I thought that was actually even scarier than the weird milky cloud thing. Um, milk bubble. Milk bubble cloud. <laughs> vomit. <laughs> um, but, like, where, when Amy and um, Matt, the guy at the camera. Oh, uh, Matt. Uh, Matt. Yeah. yeah, when they're looking ahead of them and they see a certain part of the store, but really, and, and the camera is showing a different thing, and they're having to follow what is on the camera to actually get back to where they came from that and like when when no one can find the store either that was weird because i was like does it stop existing at night or something like it it's so weird but it started to feel like for a while i thought what was going on was like it's not real somehow or like they're trapped in a thing and no one else knows it exists but that's not what happened. So it got less scary when that became not true <laughs> to me. <laughs> and that that disorientation seems the most connected to like my real experience IKEA. of IKEA, like oh, yeah. <laughs> as this place where you're like, "Fuck, I'm stuck in this yeah. abyss of furniture." Yeah, you're like, I guess I live here now. Yeah. Like, and then no. there's like little shortcuts that are like, "This way to dishes," and it's like. Yeah. The shortcuts are always <laughs> confusing, and you go through the door, and then you question if you are where you thought you were going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you're just like, just follow the meatball smell. <laughs> yes. It's the only way out. Which they referenced meatballs in here. It's they did. Funny. Yeah. Like, very, very important. Yeah. It's not subtle at all that this is just Ikea. Yeah. I think it's at one clear. point they even say that it's a rip-off Ikea store. Yes. They do. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, I think they kind of make fun of the um, weird Ikea names because I, I hope I'm remembering this correctly, but isn't this like an American store and they're trying it to is. make it yeah. seem foreign? Yes. Yeah. By giving it like weird names and stuff. 
Yeah. Which they're, I'm sure they're all just nonsense words. Right. Yeah. Lyripip. Lyripip. <laughs> that was a little scary, too, when she was stuck in the, when she was trapped in the Lyripip. She was nailed inside mm-hmm. it. So yeah. it sounded very small. And there was water. Oh, yeah, that was pretty scary. Water really scared me, too. So the, like, when the whole store was flooding, it wasn't as scary. But when she was trapped and water was flooding, and I was like, Trapped in the closet. Get out. (laughs) Just like R. Kelly. Yeah. And I kept thinking, it can't be constructed that well. Like, she's got to be able to push out of there. Because if it is like Ikea, it's going to fall apart. (laughs) Like if you. And they say the furniture's worse. (laughs) That part was good with, like, the suspense of, like, can I get the little, like, uh, yeah, basically like an Allen wrench, Allen wrench. Yeah. the little like the magic, magic key. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And she's and then she drops it and she's like reaching around her body to try to get it. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good. Yeah, I thought his writing of like suspenseful moments was really, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So I have one more scary related question. Um, that this kind of is a question I have about just like things that are supposed to be quote unquote scary in general. Um, like a lot of times I'll see people review scary movies and be like, it wasn't even scary. Um, it wasn't even that bad. <laughs> it like, I wasn't scared. So like, how important is it to be scared of something like a, of a horror story in order for it to be successful? I think it's important in contrast to like how good it is without the scary parts, you know, because like, if I'm going to go see like, you know, The Grudge or something, like some stupid, bad movie. Like, I want to be scared because otherwise I'm just, I am just watching it because it's bad and it's funny. But at a certain point, it's like, I want to at least have some jump scares or something. I think when you approach like a horror movie, that's like, that it has other layers other than purely just horror, then whether or not I'm actually scared during it doesn't matter. Like, there are movies that have come out recently, like, horror movies that I didn't really find scary, but that I loved, you know? Mm-hmm. Such as? The Babadook. <laughs> you think ah. it's scary? No. You just want to talk about the Babadook and how he's a gay hero. I do. I just wanted to bring it up real quick. Yeah. Well, yeah, Kelly and I were texting before this, and uh, we were like, we need to talk about the Babadook because it was, like, Pride Week, and... Did the Babadook leave you Baba Shook? <laughs> it happened it happened but yeah like the babadook for example um it follows maybe um it follows is terrifying it is terrifying it follows had a couple moments that were were pretty scary and like that movie i definitely thought about after i saw it and was like i'm scared right now like i judge like horror and whether or not it's scary if, like, that night I'm thinking about it mm-hmm. when I'm going to bed. Yeah. Where, like, the Babadook I didn't think about, It Follows, I totally did think about because there are so many, like, nighttime sleeping scenes in that movie where terrible things happen yeah. also. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, or, like, The uh, the Witch. I the love that movie. It's great, yeah. but I didn't... I mean, there are parts that are d- very disturbing, mm-hmm. and that's, like, another type of horror. But it wasn't, like, it didn't, like, personally scare me. Also, because it's so far removed from, like, my situation. Like, it's a period piece. Do like, you that's mean immediately you're not a Puritan scary. girl? Um, what do you think, Mary? <laughs> do I look like a Puritan? You don't raise goats? <laughs> Black Philip. Black Philip, Black Philip. Black Philip, Black Philip. I don't 
think it's necessary to be like terrified at everything that like purports to be horror, but I do feel like some kind of emotional reaction is necessary. Yes. Like if this wasn't if this didn't have any moments of like tension or suspense at all. I mean, I wasn't right. horrified by this book, but like I felt something when I was reading it. I think that's what's important, but I don't think it's important that it like scares the shit out of you all the time. Was what you felt little fingers coming out of holes in the wall and gently brushing you? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you can't see what Susan's doing, but she's acting that out. <laughs> I'm just touching my face, that's all. Gently. Um, there were like two parts though where where a hand went in Amy's mouth, and I thought that was Blech. really like that, that was frightening to me. It's like also the part where Ruth Ann it has oh, dug herself yeah. into a hole and her fingertips uh, are gone and it's just bone. Oh my god, it's disgusting. Exposed bone. And then with her nubby fingers, she pumps, she gouges. Oh shit, I forgot about that. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I'm over here cringing, is because as soon as you said Ruthann, I just thought the eyeballs. (laughs) Gruesome character death. Yeah, Yeah. so there were were two kind of gross moments like that where Ruthann said, if I can't see them, they can't see me or something. Yeah. Before she Mm -hmm. gouges her own eyes out. And then, um, uh, when Carl, like, puts the hook in his neck or oh, yeah. whatever. How did, what did he Slits. put in his neck? He puts something in there and, like, rips open his neck. I don't Ugh. remember what it was. They were at that table. Yeah. I read through that so fast. I was just like, <laughs> so like I, ew, can't, no, ew, ew. I can't deal Body with this Body horror, right no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think at that point of the book, there was a lot of description of action going on. And I think sometimes... Um, that can be something that's really difficult to write well and really difficult to read, um, especially when you're getting a lot of it. it. A lot a lot of that part is sort of a blur to me because when I get so much action description, my brain registers at it as there's a lot of shit going down. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. And it's hard just with the plot of this book, which is that they're wandering around a store that there's, like, so much walking and so much, like, yeah. movement happening. Where, like, if you're inside a, like, room or something, it's less action description, mm-hmm. I guess. It's a very action-packed book. But I guess that's just one of the difficulties of writing horror instead of, like, make- making a film or something. Which, like, I commend people who who write horror because it's not easy to write something scary. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. Especially when people are going, it's not scary, like you were just saying. Yeah. I wasn't scared. I hate that. I hate people. it when people do that because most of the time people seem to do that with movies that are all about jump scares. And yeah. personally, mm-hmm. I don't like jump scares. I don't think that's scary. I think it's it only frightens you because it jumps out at you. Mm-hmm. The true frightening things are the things like you said, Kelly, that you think about at night. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the metaphor that's happening in this book. Um, it's pretty blatant. Uh, the store Orsk <laughs> has been built on top of an old prison and the people who are haunting the store are um, the old warden of the prison and the prisoners who died there. Um, so obviously I think uh, Grady Hendrix is trying to make some sort of commentary about working retail or perhaps just customer service in general and how it's 
sort of a form of prison. Um, would you guys agree with this assessment or did you read it some other way? I agree. I didn't get that at all. Oh my god. <laughs> did I just I'm blow just your kidding. mind? Amy says it at the end. Yeah. Like she comes right out and is like, sort of, in case you didn't get the metaphor, she's like, well, here's what happened. Like, there was a prison and we built another prison on top of it and then yeah, all yeah. the people came out. And he's like, so, oh, I guess you're right. I, yeah, I definitely think that that's clearly what he was going for but i just wanted to check with you guys to make sure we it were was a little heavy-handed yeah it w- i yeah. thought it was kind of heavy-handed um but i was just kind of curious like could you guys relate to this have any of you worked retail before um i've never worked retail i've only worked customer service um but like close enough yeah. Um, no, I, I've worked retail in. Uh, I worked. I used to work at Bed Bath and Beyond, which oh, is also kind of like can be a little disorienting yeah. because it's so tall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is really tall. And I like, never thought about that. It's not, it's not like you get lost in it, but it is tall, and a lot of the stuff that's stacked up really high is kind of an illusion. Like, have you seen those pictures of you know how the towels look like they're stacked all nicely, but really it's like one foam roll. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, just, like, yeah. pushed in it over and over. So there's a lot of kind of fake out sort of stuff like that to make it look perfect and nice, but really it's just like one towel and a dirty piece of foam. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I like hated every mo- moment of it a lot. Um, this would be a good time for Ask a Man because Joe actually worked in retail management for like five yeah. years. And-, and Ben has too. I know Ben really wants to do Ask a Man. I should get Ben in here for Ask yeah, a go Man. Yeah, get Ben. Okay, hold on. We're asking a man. Ask a man. Ask a man. I don't remember how the song went last time. I don't remember either. Do you have a question? Something about men are smarter. It's time to ask a man. Time to ask a man. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ben. Ben. Hey. Um, we were talking about how the book sort of uses a uh, prison as a metaphor for working retail. Um, and I asked if they felt like they could relate to that metaphor. And when I asked you about it out there, you said, Oh yeah, I can talk about that. So you want to talk a little bit about how um, retail and prison are maybe similar? Uh, yeah. Uh, only, only my experience. But, uh, That's what we want. I know there's some other people here that work in retail. Uh, or, huh. well, not no, here. not anymore. Oh yeah. Hooray. So it's okay. Hooray. Are you Hooray. talking about Joe? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's gone. He's no more retail. Oh wow. He's That's gone. That was a dumb ass way to say that. He's no more retail. <laughs> Joe <laughs> is gone now. Awesome. Joe quit retail. But he worked at two big box retailers, so he's he knows. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh no, I remember. Yeah, I was doing for a little while. Um, <laughs> I remember. No, he's a great guy. Um no, it, it, I guess in a similar way, there's um, there's a very low ceiling as far as where you can actually go, and uh, how much you pour in isn't anywhere close to how much uh, you're going to be given back. Um, you're pretty much, you know, you, you're given some sort of employee card, it has a number, and you're essentially that, <laughs> except the only difference between prison and retail is that retail pretends uh, that it's not a prison. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, and prison doesn't give a shit. So that's <laughs> so kind of what happens in the book is that um, these ghost prisoners are forcing these employees of 
this IKEA like store to face the fact that they are essentially working in a prison system. Is that yeah. what you would say? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, there there is some kind of element of like um punishment to like against them because of like various reasons. Like the the ghost warden is talking about how like this one's a slut, so she's gonna <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Well, um, the prison was from the eighteen hundreds, right? So yeah. I mean they were kind of antiquated yeah. in their moral views. You saying I they guess. were fruits, Mary? Yeah. Maybe. Or prude expert. <laughs> prude. <laughs> we should have ask a prude. No. <laughs> you can have it every show. Oh, no. <laughs> a resonant prude. Yeah, there was an element of like, um, sort of the prison you put yourself in. To like, I think especially with Amy, it was we were supposed to see that she was sort of trapping herself in this endless like not trying hard enough and that's why she's failing and if she just gives up all the time so she might as well just stay there and I think it was also about not only like retail as a prison but like the life of you know a lower class person who is who has no other option but to work in retail and how that how poverty in that way which is like she's not it's not extreme poverty but it's like on the border of I can't pay my rent sort of like she's like you know four months behind on rent or something and you know she, she like, like doesn't want to go home because she's like I don't I can't pay rent so I'm just gonna sleep in my car so no one nags me about giving them money yeah and her mom like lives in a trailer so she's not gonna go back and live with her mom and like she she like tried to go to college and then like I can't remember what exactly happened but then she like couldn't pay back her loans and had to stop like stop taking classes because like her loans were too it was like all this sort of stuff and then she starts working retail and then she can only make enough money working retail to like try to like pay her loans and her rent and it's like this endless cycle of like imprisonment essentially yeah that's the other side of it because it's not just um you know there's the work conditions there's how you're treated but a lot of it's uh, with how you're treated hourly because, uh, you know, the, the comment is like, well, people, you know, if you just work really hard, uh, you'll get opportunities. Um, why aren't you just working enough? It's like, well, you know, there's, they're going to give you, um, exactly underneath full time, um, everywhere mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. you don't get health insurance. You don't get any sort of benefits. You have to pay for those out of pocket some other way. Um, so what you end up doing is people end up working 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week at three or four different places. Um, having to scrabble all together for probably minimum wage. And then, you know, you're, you're working all the time, but you can't make extra money. You just get by. So the opportunities to go to school or the opportunities to train yourself or maybe try to start something entrepreneurial uh, is pretty much gone. Um, and it just becomes this drudgery of maintaining the status quo just so you don't despair. But and, and that's, that's pretty much how it was. That's how I felt for, you know, for the time that I had to work in there, and I wasn't really sure where I was going to go. Um, We're here for you, Ben. Yeah, well, it's yeah. all it's all good now. I mean, it also depends on what kind of store you're working at, because, I mean, I don't have really any big box retail experience, but just watching friends work. Like, I watched Ben and Joe work at a big box, and then <laughs> they felt sad, and yeah. it was a sad time. But I think it 
potentially makes a difference if you're working for an end of like a small business or something owned by real people and not a nebulous corporation. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because you're dealing with actual people. Or a corporation that makes an attempt yeah. to like do good things. Because I worked at Publix um in high school, which is a grocery store. Um for like I love Publix. Publix is great. <laughs> love Publix. I worked there for like four years and like all through high school. And Publix, like I didn't need this because I was a teenager. I was really just working there so I could have like gas money and like whatever, so I could like buy myself things. <laughs> but um <laughs> like Publix offers T- like a lot of different benefits to people. They offer like health insurance. They offer like a lot of really like great things. And you don't have to be like, you know, suffering if you're working there. I mean, you're suffering because it's like boring, but you know. But they pay people well too, don't they? They pay, they pay well and you usually get a raise like every couple months, like a little, like incremental raises. Mm-hmm. I mean, it starts at minimum wage, but it's not hard. It's not hard A to, um, start making more money and be to move up because you can start at bagger and move to cashier and move to like customer service person and move to like management. And it's like the way that that system is supposed to work. At least it was when I was working there. It was quite a while ago, but well, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. Thank y'all. Appreciate uh, being on the show. Great show. I love listening. Thanks. Yay. Bye. My husband had more of the experience that Basil had. Mm -hmm. And, the book. Yeah, how are we going to say his name? <laughs> I, th- I think it's Basil. Basil it's is Basil. the food. Basil? But I'm just Basile? sort of like, you're American, right? Well, it's still, the yeah, name is still Basil. I've never mm. heard of Basil person. Yeah, go for it, Basil. <laughs> I like cannot form sentences tonight. Um, basil person. A basil person? That's a person made of basil. Um, Delicious. No, Joe was in retail management at two different big box stores. I won't name either of them because like we have not good feelings toward either one of them anymore protect the innocent um (laughs) they kind of trap you in there too with the money is much better in management is your salary and you do get benefits right but if you but you don't get overtime and you're always working overtime so if you actually like divide up the hours and what you're making by the hour you're barely getting paid more than some of the people who are there you know, 20 hours a week or something. Yeah. Who you're treating like dick. Anyway. So it just, it, it was not a fun experience, even like being married to it. So I can't <laughs> imagine like what he was going, not because of him, just like, I mean, I could tell he was miserable, you know? So, right. yeah. Um, and he really did feel trapped because it was like, well, if I, if I leave, I don't have experience in any other field. I'm never going to make the same amount I'm making here. Right. Or, you know? So, but he eventually just was like, forget it. I have to leave. I'm going to go crazy. For your health. Like, for his health, he had to leave. Yeah, I know. I was like, just go. I don't care. Like, we'll be broke for a little bit. What's fine. And we we still are, but hey, it's cool. (laughs) We're happier. Breadwinner. (laughs) Which is so sad. (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about the end of the book. So, Orsk is uh, turned into a planet baby at the end of the novel. Um, I have a Planet quote baby. from the, <laughs> I have a quote from the book that I really want to share. Yes. Um, so story time. This is the description of Planet Baby at the end of the novel. The store was different, but the same. The muted color scheme had been replaced with bright primary hues. Signs that looked like an unusually literate toddler had scrawled them in crayon hung everywhere. 
reminding mommy and daddy to buy all the right things for baby, who needed them so badly but could not yet communicate his or her wishes. So Planet Baby was generously interpreting them for him or her. Thank you, Planet Baby. <laughs> uh, just That gives you an idea of like the, the tone of this novel, if you haven't read it. Planet, um, Planet Baby is the worst name for a store. I know. It's really bad. Um, so both Basil and Amy return to Orsk um, as Planet Baby. Um, and become Planet Baby employees. Um, and they're, they're both there to apparently, uh, rescue the coworkers they lost in, in the previous haunting. But, uh, are they really there to rescue them? Or do you think they're still, like, trapped in this, like, retail prison? It's a good question. Um, yeah, that is a good question. I don't know. I mean, they do go there at night to, search for them. Mm -hmm. But also, I'm like, do you really think they're still alive? They're not. I mean, they're definitely not. Yeah, and she was hired as, like, an assistant, like, floor manager or something. So she technically got, like, basically a promotion from where she was before with Basil telling her that whole time, like, oh, yeah, if you just pass this shop responsible thing, like, you'll be in management. She's like, I don't want to. But then she does end up there, even if she's just back to save those people. She did technically go into management <laughs> yeah. yeah after but yeah they're definitely dead though right i mean they're really dead i mean just about as dead as i mean ruth ann doesn't have eyeballs or yeah. fingers yeah well she's dead for sure the other two like we don't know what happened because ruth ann had a funeral the and Trinity like is definitely dead but i want her to have survived yeah i mean don't we Pretty all sure but she she's didn't. dead though last question about horror store that i have um, is it seems like a TV series of this book might be in the works. Um, some details about the TV show, uh, the creators of Gossip Girl and uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, as well as Charlie Kaufman, who wrote a bunch of movies, including... Fucked up shit. Eternal Sunshine <laughs> of the Spotless Mind is one of his big ones. Um, Synecdoche, New York. Yeah. Synecdoche, New York, which is freaking crazy. Um, and actually, like, I feel like the tone of that kind of fits with Horror Store. Um, yeah. Grady Hendrix himself is going to be consulting on the project. Um, so how do we feel about this as a TV series? If, if it's made into a TV series, um, what do you think could be expanded upon for this? I mean, the whole plot has to change, right? Because <laughs> it couldn't last that long. I mean, they could maybe do it for like right, yeah, part would, of a season. Yeah, I just don't think it could last that long. So I think they'll definitely have to flesh out more details about the characters, the characters' backstories. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. sort of like their individual motivations. Like I think it would be fun to see like Ruth Ann's time at home because it just yeah. it, it says that she just kind of like sits at home with her dog. Yeah. Well. Like, one option, though, is that also Planet Baby and the journey continues. And if Grady Hendrix is consulting, I'm sure he would be a story consultant. So if the show were to do well and they got past the point of the book, you know, they could start on the next story of, like, trying to find Matt and Trinity. So maybe, like, season two is Planet Baby or something like that? Yeah. And then there will be a new store after that. Yeah. Like, and introduce new characters from Planet Baby. Um, But I'm surprised that 
they didn't go for a movie because I feel like this would be a really good movie and it would make a shit ton of money because yes. mm-hmm. everyone knows what Ikea is. Like, it would be funny. Like, quirky and funny. Like, yeah, and I think visually, like, you could make it really funny. Too. Yeah. It could almost go into the, like, Shaun of the Dead sort of category. Uh, Right. Yeah. Directing it would be perfect. I love a good horror comedy. Yeah. It seems, though, that uh, TV shows are becoming, like, the new movies. Like, now you want your book to be optioned into a TV show rather than a movie. Yeah. Like, Handmaid's Tale, which we'll be talking about in the next mini-sode, is an example of that, where it's a book that was turned into a well, tv show big difference though in like character oh yeah 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 i mean obviously i'm not trying to compare them but like even still there was so much um in the tv show version of handmaid's tale that they have to like expand upon and yeah. make it fit but it's almost like if you're an author and you're gonna have your your book adapted do you want like more of your book to be cut out or like more added to it because basically like a movie adaptation there, there's always going to be stuff missing. Right. But in a TV show adaptation, there are going to be probably significant changes and, like, stuff added in that you might necessarily, might not necessarily have wanted, you know? So it's kind of, I mean, the same thing happens in movies, too, but it's more an issue of, like, losing information. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I think, I personally think this would work better as a movie. I'm, like, skeptical. I'm skeptical of a horror TV show because, like, A... I hate American Horror Story so much. No! I hate it so much. It's such a bad show for so many reasons. Every season? Yes. I I do. (laughs) I feel like American Horror Story definitely has trouble uh, sustaining that story for so many episodes. But maybe some seasons are good, you guys. Anyway, like I was saying. (laughs) Everything Ryan Murphy does is garbage. The the first... um, (laughs) That's not true because he worked on American Crime Story and... You guys should all read my blog about that. Moving on. I haven't watched it, but I did watch some of Glee. I think I think that was a read. Anyway. Um, at least trying to show a little <laughs> so for shape. instance, um, I think the season of American Horror Story that's probably closest to Horror Store is the first season because it's a haunted house. And, like, the first couple of episodes of that season, to me, were, like, super scary. But... After, once you get to, like, the third, fourth, fifth episode, you start being like, okay, how many fucking ghosts are in this house? Like, it's a little crowded in there, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. how far are we going to go with this? The problem with that show is it doesn't follow the rules of its own universe. So like, true. Yeah. It's such a problem. It's so distracting. And for me, that's, like, that's, like, so unacceptable to me. Oh, I, I <laughs> Like, agree. when you're creating a story. It's, it's, it's just like, but I think a lot of it is the problem of the genre that it's just really hard to sustain something scary for that long. And so one of the things American Horror Story tries to do very often to fix that um, is like, oh, well, let's just add this in there. And like, also, this is a thing. And that doesn't work. Well, it's like, just go back and check your work. Yeah. Like, Jesus. Yeah. Like, it's like they wrote each episode and never went back to check and make sure that things yeah. lined up or made sense. It's like, you can say, like, oh, it's hard to keep a story sustained. But, like, like Harry Potter is seven books long, and there is not one detail that, like, doesn't line up with something she said earlier, you know? So, I just think, like... Like, your your universe is going to have holes in it if you're creating something. But, like, the number of th- – it's, like, there's – how many episodes in the first season? Like, ten episodes or something? Yeah, yeah. It's, like, you can 
you can, like, make that work. And you didn't. <laughs> so, sorry. I, I really don't... hate that show. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen I, it, so. I like, like it. Uh... But some seasons are not great. I had really huge issues with the season about the circus. Oh, I couldn't even finish watching that. When the I clown, didn't finish it either. When the clown died, I stopped because I was like, well, that was the scariest part and it's gone. So, bye. But anyway, we're like on a tangent now about American yeah. Horror Story. It's not... We're just talking... So my point being that like like horror television shows I'm skeptical of. Yeah. Because I think they're... Like you said... There's a certain amount that you can sustain. Like, I think maybe if they did a mini series, mm-hmm. like one season, maybe. Um, but that never happens because if something does well, there's no way they're going to let go of it. It you feels know? like a, like, really mini series, like a, like an old school mini series, like four episodes max. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. but- it's a really short book, too. Yeah. It's not very long. But yeah. If they wanted to. I mean, there is a lot more character development that could happen, I guess, if you wanted to expand that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I think it would probably be better as a movie, too. But what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, there's a reason we're not rich and famous in Hollywood, and it's probably because we don't. Yet. Oh, yet. Yeah. Yeah. Wait until our podcast we just gets our optioned books that into got a movie. <laughs> oh, or our book. Yeah. But would it be, just like, be Four people staring at screens looking at each other. Yeah, it would just hey. be unfriended, too. Who's this fifth person in the podcast? No! <laughs> it's Carl. Oh. What if we did a horror movie about podcasts? Oh, yes. yes. Let's do it's it. It's only a matter of time before yeah. that happens. Yeah. And we'll review it. You heard it here first. We'll review, we'll review it, it but we'll also be the ones that made it. And then we'll yeah, so our it, whole right. review will be like, we made the best movie yeah. ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other thoughts about Horror Store, guys? It was fun. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to say was that I felt like the like the redemption of Basil was not at all earned. He just like fucked everything up, <laughs> and then he like shows up again at the end, and he's like, oh well, uh. <laughs> I, I decided that I was wrong and I want to help. And she's like, okay, we'll be friends now. And it's like, are you kidding? Like, he, like, ditched everything and is terrible. And I, that was very annoying to me. Also, just, like, their whole, like, yeah. like camaraderie throughout the book was, like, completely not believable to me. Because she hated him so much. Oh, my God. I was so afraid that they were going to, like, fall in love or something at the end. And I'm really happy that didn't happen. I know. I'm really glad that didn't happen. But I really was like, oh, my God. They're going to, like, fall in love and work at a fucking retail store forever. And it's going to be terrible. (laughs) But they didn't. Thank goodness. Thank you, Grady Hendrix, for not doing that. Uh, So Horror Store uh, is by Grady Hendrix. You can purchase it at bookstores and or on Amazon, but don't do that. Visit your local independent bookstore, friends. Or enter our giveaway and be the lucky winner. Remember, all you have to do to enter the giveaway is rate us and review us on iTunes, and then just send us an email to let us know which review is yours and how to get in touch with you. Our email address <laughs> is booksquadgoals at booksquad.inc. Like a squid. <laughs> like a squid. Yeah, um, every time that's like gonna happen. Sweat. So be yes. ready. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm really excited about this giveaway because I really like uh, these two books, and I'm gonna throw in some extra like spooky goodies that are going to be a surprise. Yes, and I'm gonna have fun putting it together, and it's gonna be amazing. 
It's going to be like a little subscription box type of thing. And we do have tentative. Only for one person. We do have plans (laughs) to maybe do something like this again in the future if it goes well. Yeah. Yeah. I might, I might have put together a calendar for it because I like to do stupid shit like that. I might have already thought of things to put in my box for a yet to be announced book theme. (laughs) Emily was telling me that she, uh, whenever she goes into hair salons and sees the person behind the desk, like, making schedules. Oh, my God. I want to be her. She's, and appointments. <laughs> she's like, I want to do that. That seems so fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Emily, you can. Like, someone will hire you to do that. I know. Yeah. yeah maybe. You actually probably have all the right experience. <laughs> maybe that. I, that's what I'll do after I finish my PhD is I'll go work okay. <laughs> um, and talk to people about books. have some listener feedback from our last two episodes um, about white teeth and about guardians of the galaxy. Are we wanting to get into those questions and comments? Yeah. Do we want to do white teeth or guardians first? Um, Let's do white teeth first because that was older. Older. So we're going old to new. Yes. Um, So I've got two uh, listener feedback Things I'm going to say things because like they asked several questions and had lots of comments. So I tried to condense. Um, so first we have Corey from Athens, Georgia. He had a lot of questions because he's actually um, taught this book before. Um, and so a lot of us who teach know how that is. Uh, mm-hmm. We come up with a lot of things we want to talk about when we teach books. So I tried to cut this down to just like a couple of questions I thought we could talk about really quickly. Um, one I thought was interesting that he mentioned is that the title of white teeth is also a good way to talk about societal prescriptions for beauty. Um, and I thought this would be particularly interesting for us to talk about because, uh, we did talk about the title a little bit, um, and we didn't really get into a whole lot about what the book is saying about beauty aside from, you know, just like a couple of things about teeth. So what do you guys think of that interpretation of the title? I think that's a fair interpretation. I mean, I do think there's a lot about, especially from Eerie's perspective, or Irie, I keep saying Eerie, Irie's perspective, Uh um, about, like, whether or not she's beautiful and that kind of stuff. And then there's a lot of talk about how, like, Milot is considered beautiful and is this, like, like, prize possession of all of the girls that go to school with him and stuff. So I do, I think that like, especially with the younger kids, that's something that goes back and forth. Plus like Clara, who has lost her teeth and then is like wearing false teeth. And then, you know, like later when there's like a whole thing where like Irie finds out like as a teenager that her mom doesn't have teeth, (laughs) like her front teeth. Yeah. Because she's she sees her she's like my mom is always like mumbling w- in bed when she talks to me like she has a lisp or something and then she realizes that it's oh. because there's like fake teeth in a jar like <laughs> yeah. next to her bed and kind of you know we were talking about identity um, and you know beauty and how we see other people's beauty is connected to identity and especially like with your ta- what you're talking about with like Irie and her mom. Sort of like mm-hmm. the way she sees her mom changes when she realizes this about yeah. her. So, yeah. yeah. Another thing that he said we should talk about is terrorism in the novel. And I know we talked a lot about Future Mouse 
Teach um, your mouse! <laughs> oh, God. But he also said that <laughs> Archie and Samad's friendship goes back to a generation in which German nationalism was as scary to most people as terrorism is now. Um, and he says, I think that talking about how silly the end of the book is with the, quote, potential terror attack in contrast to, um, for instance, the Ariana Grande concert is interesting. I will say I didn't even really think about the the terrorism, quote unquote, terrorism at the end of the book as compared to what was going on during the war that Archie and Smod were, were in. And now mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, whoa. Yeah. It's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Corey, for giving us those talking points. Um, Aaron from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, what, what? Um, also had a question for us. It, he actually started it off by saying, um, you guys seem to be having bad luck with books. And I think he was talking about the fact that, like, so far we haven't really, like, agreed on any oh, of the no. books. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think we're ever going to no, agree No, I don't think we're ever going to agree like, on a book either. Which is okay. Be prepared for yeah. that. I think we're always going to have sort of like, but you know, like honestly, we kind of agreed about this book. But in general, I doubt yeah. we're going to. Well, we're just four really unique personalities. So. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but he says, um, if you have any readers who are on the fence about reading White Teeth, um, what do you think you could say to either convince them or not convince them to read the book and really sell it? I'm going to say, don't read this book, read something else. That's not a very not, great pitch. You're not selling it's it. It's not selling it. Well, <laughs> yeah. What's your What's your elevator pitch for not reading? I'm going to say don't read it because I mean, one of the things we talked about when we reviewed White Teeth is that this seems like a good starting point for this author, and we're really curious to see what her more recent books are like because it seems like she's probably only going to get better. So I would say, you know, she just came out with Swing Time this year. I haven't read it, but. Um, I think clearly Zadie Smith is a very talented writer. Um, and I think Swing Time could potentially be a more interesting book to pick up and maybe more relevant because it's newer. So I would say read that instead. Well, I would say read this book, read White Teeth, because it is relevant for right now because there is a whole lot going on in it about immigration and about like sense of place what's going on in our country right now, like with the whole Muslim ban and all of that stuff, all of this, like, you know, everything with the Syrian refugees and like just so much stuff that's happening in the world, not just in our country is like really focused on like, like this fear of, of quote unquote outsiders coming in. And like the, the like perhaps biggest theme of this book is like, what does it mean to like be, to belong in a place? And like, what does it mean to be other and, uh, you know, what does it mean? There's, like, one part where Alsana is talking about being English, and she's like, you know, as far back as you go, you can keep going back and back, and then you'll find, like, where this person isn't from England, they're from somewhere else, or whatever. It's like, what does it mean to be truly English? It's a fairy tale. Like, it doesn't exist. Right. And it's the same mm-hmm. thing, especially about this country, because this country is so new. Yeah. I would say, I would reiterate the stuff about immigration and otherness. And I would also reiterate what I said last time, which is that it is really beautiful on a sentence level. And especially if you're a writer or are interested in writing at all, I think there's a lot to talk about just in terms of craft. So there's that also. So two reasons. (laughs) I unfortunately 
a lot of times I think about books I don't enjoy in the moment as how many books could I read in the time it's taking me to read this book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense. So when I was reading White Teeth, I thought probably later I'll reflect on this and find something good in it. But right now I'm thinking about the three other novels I could be reading. Mm-hmm. That's not really selling it or not selling it. But if you're interested in issues of immigration and politics, I mean, like if you're interested in issues that are in white teeth, it's definitely worth reading. And it's definitely beautiful on a sentence level. It's just not my favorite genre of book. Mm-hmm. So I personally would not read it or think or think to recommend it because it's not personally my favorite type of book. Yeah, and that's the thing is about recommending stuff, especially books, because you're right, it does, books are not like movies. Like, you can watch a movie in two hours and it's over, and you're like, well, I either just wasted two hours or I enjoyed two hours. A book is like, you know, depending on how fast you read it, it might take you like a month to read a book. Um, and that's a long time to spend on something if you aren't invested in it. And it's hard to recommend something to someone, because like, I don't know you, like, I don't know what you're gonna like, unless like, you know, we're good friends, and then I'll know if you're gonna like it or not. But well, maybe um, it's good that the four of us are not in total agreement in yeah. on any of the books so far because yeah. you can get yeah. a recommendation from all four of us and you're going to get different stuff. It's yeah. four different flavors, but it's all good. There are scenarios like The Couple Next Door where we can all, like, Adam Yeah, we say, did all don't agree fucking on read that. It. We did. This book is bad. Don't read it. <laughs> Still waiting but, for that mini, so I don't want to unleash the fury. I know, unleash. I know. <laughs> We're going to get to it soon, I feel like. I sold my copy of The Couple Next Door. I also sold my copy. I sold my copy of The Couple Next Door to a student of mine. I personally pitched this novel to people. I did too. After the table. No way. We're terrible human beings. We intrigue. We get what a dollar. And you sell it for a dollar. Yes, we sold it for (laughs) a dollar. And hey, that dollar. Someone's life for a dollar. (laughs) That dollar is helping, you know, poor English grad students go to conferences. Okay. So I don't feel bad. All right. Um, so that's it for white teeth comments and questions. All right. Guys, thank you for those white teeth comments and questions. Um, all right, so now we will talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. Part two of our Guardians of the Galaxy questions. More, more Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy questions. Okay. I don't know what else I can say about this. <laughs> well, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Um, I'm going to start with this last one. Um, so Brent, what up, Brent from Atlanta, Georgia? Uh, Brent gave us a really cool link to an article about ego who is the bad guy in Guardians of the Galaxy, just as a reminder. Um, and Kurt how Russell. he is... Yeah, Kurt Russell. And how he is a symbol of imperialism. And we will give you that link in the in the like table of contents um, so you can check the that out. The show notes. The show <laughs> notes. I'm just saying table of contents because it sounds booky, you know? So, I mean, I don't want to like read the whole article to you guys, but basically it's talking about how Ego, um, when he gains consciousness, wants to explore the universe and see how other, you know, species live and sort of, like, try to make their lives better and how this is connected to, like, what dumb white people do all the time, like, invading other countries and, like, westernizing them and destroying their way of life. So... This is totally... 
an awesome point, and I'm looking forward to reading this article later because I haven't read it yet, but um, just, like, like, not even, like, taking over other places, but trying to put like ourselves into other places like yes. thinking that that we can go to different countries and be like you can work the same way that we do like mm-hmm. i'm gonna put this here because this is how we do it or this is what we're like and you will just adapt to that which is you know ego planting these little pieces of himself on all these different planets including earth that will grow um and ultimately destroy something um which I don't know that it was his initial intention to blow shit up, but <laughs> that's what ends up happening. Yeah. Um, and that's that's exactly like what imperialism is. It's not like we like it's not like their the intentions were bad, but like you weren't thinking about it, and so you are terrible. You just don't know you're terrible. Sort of situation. Um, because every bad guy thinks that he's doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not just imperialism, but in a way it's, I mean, would it be colonialism too? Because he wants himself there. He's not just seeing, he's not just claiming, he is actively trying to remake the universe in his image. Yeah, that's Well, and true. he impregnates a bunch of different women yeah. all over the place. Um, yeah, he does. So that, that too. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that's super interesting and uh, thank you for sending us that article, Brent. Yeah, the article is very interesting, and I probably did a really terrible job of explaining it. So really, you should just go read the article um, on birthmoviesdeath.com. That's ominous. That's an ominous website title. I've heard of that website, but I have never gone to it. It's that, legit, so all right? Chance. It's legit. Um, okay, so these these last two are more just like comments, so we can just talk about them really quickly. Um, Ellis from Portland, Oregon, says that she loved Guardians of the Galaxy, thought it was super fun. Um, she enjoys Gamora as a strong female character, which we talked about a little bit. Um, and she thought it was interesting that she got to be the more stoic and emotionless romantic partner, and that Peter Quill, I guess, was the more emotional one. Also love the revelation that she has with her sister about both being victims of abuse, not letting their father pit them against each other. It was pretty powerful slash subversive subplot for a comic book movie. Sisters unite against the patriarchy. And look how far a girl has come since <laughs> Drumline. I want a Gamora action figure. So Yes, yes, please. yes. I forgot that she was in Drumline and that movie is so awesome. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> I love Drumline. I guess we should read the second one because it's Yeah, you want to read uh, that? Hopping one? off the I'll read it. So, Brianna from Hattiesburg. Brianna! Okay, so, last week on the blog, um, Mary and Brianna, our guest blogger, did a really great, thorough um, examination of Wonder Woman and why Wonder Woman is well, awesome. Well, I'm going to say Brianna did a thorough <laughs> job. I more just listed my prejudices against the creator of Wonder Woman. Oh my god. Well... <laughs> I haven't. I have to admit, I haven't read it because I need to see the movie still. Same. I'm like waiting. I'm like always waiting for someone to go to a movie with me, and I should just start going by myself. But I'll I'll like make promises to people that I'm going to go to movies with them, and then I'm like, I just want to go see it, and they're like, I can't. So okay, so so it's Brianna is how I pronounce her name. Okay, so Brianna um, from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, says. 
I think what makes Nebula and Gamora interesting is in the way they try to reconcile their childhood abuse and Thanos setting them against each other in a competition to gain his favoritism and survive. They hate him, but there's still this need to best the other and seek his favor. They wanted to make him proud, and even in the attempt to kill him, they know he'd be proud of them for accomplishing it. And by killing him, they will kill each other because that's the last thing they'd have to fight for. It's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. And on top of that, they've been genetically enhanced. That makes their fight even more desperate. They have to go beyond normal human means to beat each other. Their fight never ends. They can't ever kill their past. And when they're fighting each other, they're really fighting him. I mean, I totally agree in the way she's phrased it. makes it, I mean, fully gives it sort of the gravity and impact it deserves. Because I think it's easy in something like Guardians of the Galaxy to overlook this plot or the subplot is being um, less significant than it is mm-hmm. because it is a funny movie. And this is a very sad subplot that yeah. is not that hard to connect to reality. I mean, they are yeah. abused sisters fighting right. for a negligent or disconnected father's attention and approval. Yeah. And this situation is, like, a huge part of both of them as characters. Like, so many of the things about them you can, you know, relate back to this thing that happened to them. Um, So, like, to understand Gamora, like, it helps to to know that all of this happened. And Nebula. So. For me, this plot was definitely what made me love this movie as much as I do. Is like, it, it really... Um, fleshed out these two really strong, awesome female characters. And I definitely, I have Funko Pop figures of both of them. And now I just want to like make them go on adventures like I'm eight. (laughs) (laughs) I I would love to see a Gamora Nebula movie or to see their plot line feature more prominently in the next film. Created in stop motion with Funko Pop figures. Yes. I can, I can do that happen. for you. I can do that for you. Coming soon. <laughs> but I, I, we have a lot of movie plans, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we're starting a studio. Stay tuned. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, I think when I was watching it, that was the more, most prominent storyline to me because that's what I cared about the most. Right. So when we get told that the movie was very man-motional, as we were Fuck told... You. <laughs> Fuck you. And also, like, what about Gamora and Nebula being, like, awesome and having emotional stuff happen while still kicking ass? Don't you mean woman emotional? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I think it's lady emotional. Lady emotional. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, like, delicate. Yeah, delicate, like flowers. Like, gent- gentle, gentle raindrops falling on flower petals um, gently and softly. okay so those are the questions that we have for the past two podcasts if you have any questions or comments about um horror store or you know grady hendrix or you know like horror movies and all that good stuff like please send us your feedback and you could be on our next featured podcast episode like a famous like the badass and don't forget to enter our giveaway don't forget to enter the giveaway Um, enter the giveaway (laughs) We're going to post also a link to, um, like, real rules and stuff for the giveaway in the show notes slash table of contents. Um, So please check that out. So 
Um, there was no Bachelor episode this past week. Um, we were all very sad. Aww. But um, we talked about maybe just having like a five-minute Bachelorette thoughts moment, and we're going to time it. Five-minute Bachelorette thoughts. Yeah. Oh, who, who's this? <laughs> We talked about that last time. I, know, I kept I kept saying that all week long, and I went to D and D on Tuesday, which makes me sound like a nerd. And I walked in and said, "Nah, girl, we know." Oh, who's this? Anyone know what you're just stared about? at me? No one knew. And then I explained the joke, and they continued to look at me as I kept repeating it <laughs> over and over. Did you show them the gift though? You got to show them. The I gift. did. I oh. did. It didn't help. She tried everything and it just didn't work. Nerds. They just don't get it. It's all right. Um, All right. So I'm timing this. Like, actually. No, no. I know. We've gone like a minute. We just took up a whole minute. So what else do we want to talk about with the bachelorette? Even even though I don't want to comment on the specifics, I'm deeply saddened that Bachelor in Paradise might not happen. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing about that. Um, we're recording this about like a week before we're actually going to publish this. So who knows what could happen in a week? Maybe it'll all blow over, but probably not. They already flew everyone back though, which makes me think like it's for but real. But they're not like, happening. they have so much goddamn money. Like they can fly everyone back again easily. Oh, I mean, I know that they can afford it. I'm just saying it seems like a lot of effort. <laughs> I want everyone to be safe and happy, but I also want to see drunken mischief Yeah, in paradise. Yeah. I want to see yeah. Chris Harrison yeah. in a robe with his mimosa. Yeah. Is, yeah. Like, are they surprised? That's what happens when you fucking bring DeMario in. Like, oh, he's already proven himself to be a terrible person. Like, I hope when he walks in, that that's how people react to him. Oh, oh. Who, who is this? Who is this? I met him many times ago. It seems like it was maybe only a matter of time before something like this happened because it is just a lot of like feeding people alcohol and encouraging them to hook up. Yeah, crazy. let alcohol be their muse. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I mean, it got close to this last season. I feel like with Chad, things seemed like they were getting maybe like on the brink of out of control. Well, we got yeah. the wonderful line from Chris Harrison when Chad asked him, why do I have to go home? And Chris Harrison said, well, Chad, you told everyone in the hotel to suck a dick last night. I mean, that's not illegal. <laughs> and this, got is a little, why, this is why Kelly is the bachelorette we deserve. Violent, which is why he really had to go. But, yeah, he, um, he got a little violent. He also yeah. told everyone to suck a dick, though, which... yeah. That was great. If that was the, his only offense, I'm like, that makes me like a person more. He also said, fuck <laughs> you, Chris Harrison. Yeah. He did? <laughs> yeah. These are all he points was, well, for him. Off. He turned TBA. around and said it back to him. <laughs> <laughs> he was um, the one that made the mimosa comment in the first place. Yeah. That's right. He's a treasure. He really is. It's like, yeah. it's really hard or with Chad. Or a danger. <laughs> I know. Well, it's hard with Chad because, like, on the one hand he's an asshole and he seems like he could be really annoying to be around. But on the other hand, he says really intelligent things sometimes where I'm like, God, he's right. 
Same as uh, Daniel, the guy yes. that was kind of friends with him. Um, he, like, was kind of terrible during JoJo season, and then when he was on Paradise, he was really likable and mm-hmm. said a couple of, dare I say, wise <laughs> things. But it was sort of a wise At from least the mouth quotable of babes. <laughs> so this has turned out to be Bachelor in Paradise five minutes. And well, that's the news of the day. We should say that this minutes. the news of the of the production halting just came out last night while we're so it's fresh yeah maybe i'll just delete this whole section if it turns out to not (laughs) be anything yeah (laughs) i mean we'll see we'll see as a final it's possible there won't be any news i'm very sad that we don't get a bachelorette episode this week and i miss rachel and i can't wait to see her again on my screen i had a nightmare i'm i told emily this (laughs) last week i had a dream that Rachel was murdered. <gasps> no! And, like, in the dream, it was, like, one of those whole, like, sad celebrity death things where it was, like, being reported on TVs and oh, stuff. No. And I was like, oh, my God, I just started watching. Oh, my God, Rachel. I can't That's believe terrible. this. And then, like, but the whole season was filmed, so they were like, are we still going to air it? Like, what do we do? Definitely it was, like, still really air depressing. it. That but... is awful. And if someone murdered Rachel, I think we would murder them. So. Yes. Yeah, yes. we would. We yes. got your back, Rachel. Don't worry about it. We are your squad, Rachel. This is Rachel's squad goals, really. (laughs) Or just Rachel goals. Rachel goals. (laughs) Rachel goals! Yeah, it works. It works with the, the, the theme. We're trying a new segment this week as well. It's called Book Squad Recommends or The Squad. Re- we don't have a name for it yet. We're working on that. AKA stuff we've been into lately, what which is what doing? Emily put in the. What doc. are you watching? That's good. Good job. Stuff. Stuff. <laughs> Tell me about your stuff. <laughs> I, I have a thing. I'm over here uh, trying to work the word squad into the word recommendation. It's not. Rex Squad Men Squad thing. I have a stuff to recommend. Squadmendations. Um, I play a lot of video games in addition to tabletop gaming. And a game I'm really enjoying lately is one that came out in February called A Night in the Woods. Ooh. It seems very scary. And <laughs> it's essentially about a small town where a kid goes missing and everyone's trying to search for them. But it's also a very poignant look at returning home to your small town after being away at school for a while. Mm-hmm. That sounds cool. returning to your small town stories. I, I am too. It's very interesting. The art, like the design on it is fantastic. It's very simple, but cute. And mm-hmm. I would highly recommend. Cool. Nice. Okay, so this weekend, um, I went to see a movie, which I didn't see Wonder Woman, unfortunately, but I did see my my cousin and I were just looking for like something to watch, and we saw that this movie called Band Aid um, was playing at uh, IFC Center, so we went, and it was really great. It was like a very sweet, fun little movie. The uh, premise is that a Husband and wife who are having problems in their marriage uh, decide that they're going to form a band and all of their fights are songs. So every time they have a fight, they're like, we're going to turn this into a song. Is it a musical? <laughs> uh, kind of. Like, the the songs are all... It's not a musical in the sense that, like, all of the songs are like they're actually playing instruments. Right. 
and like so it's kind of like once in a way yeah a movie once it but it's good or music and lyrics remember that movie yes it's actually a lot closer to music and lyrics than once because it's more like i love like, music it's a great i fucking love, love that it. movie oh, i've never seen that. that maybe movie. i need to watch i'm that. gonna oh recommend it okay that's, season, that's what season recommends music and lyrics no yeah. no 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 but um band-aid is uh zoe lister jones uh, is the woman's name, and she uh, stars in it, wrote it, directed it. She's really talented. She has a great voice. The music in the movie is adorable. I, like, want to – they, like, have an album out because their band – I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil what their band is called, but they have an album that's, like, the soundtrack of the movie, and it's just, like – it's very cute. Um, So – and it's also just, like, a sweet look at, like, relationships and, like, it, there's a lot of stuff in there about, like, traditional gender roles, too, um, and how, like, gender stereotypes of how people deal with feelings. Yeah. Maybe getting man-motional. Yes, exactly. Um, so definitely recommend it. Well, I've been a bit ill lately, and so I've had some time to Netflix binge, and I've been going real hard on the great british baking show yes <laughs> yes i am here for it I <laughs> and i it know so that i am like years and years late with this but it is just fucking delightful and <laughs> i i think everyone should watch it mary Berry i don't know jack shit about baking and i'm terrible about at cooking anything but i just love it so much i love it so much it's very calming, too. It is. I know. I found it comforting as I was ill. It was like having like a nice British mother there, like just talking to me and being comforting and showing me how to make a trifle. And like Aww. the contestants are so pleasant to each other. I know. It's so, <laughs> it's so nice. not American reality TV. And that's oh, what's yeah. beautiful about it. Like when people leave, everyone cries and hugs them. And they're really congratulatory to each other when someone does well. And it's just fucking delightful. Also, oh. I started using this new dry shampoo. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> that I wanted to recommend. Um, and shout out to my friend Rachel, who actually recommended it to me. And then I found it at TJ Maxx. It's called Batiste. That's oh, yeah. the brand. There are different scents. And it smells awesome. And it looks awesome. And I'll say, even by video, one of you complimented my hair. It's true. The beginning of this it, podcast. Yeah, it was me. It's all thanks Her to hair Batiste. Looks great. Yeah, it's dirty as hell, but Batiste shine it right up. It is good. It is good. Um, and you know, it's all the rage in London. So if it's a big deal in London, then that means it's. Yeah, it does say that it's like the UK's number one. Yeah. Oh, so Susan's but whole section is every um, <laughs> Susan's British, British themed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Next week, tea and biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. I spent the weekend watching documentaries on HBO, mostly about true crime, do- true crime documentaries on HBO. So I watched a bunch of them. Um, but I, I guess the one that I enjoyed the most was, uh, Mommy Dead and Dearest. Yes. Is that your yes. cheering? <laughs> um, I was like, please say Mommy Dead and Dearest, please. please. Yes. <laughs> Um, so I don't want to say too much about the story if you're not familiar with it, but, um, you really need to check it out. It's about, uh, I, God, I feel like I can't even say anything without like giving away the whole story. Yeah. Maybe just don't say, yeah, you really just need to All watch need it. To say it's it'll a, blow your mind. Yeah. It's, it's about whatever you think Dee Dee and more. Gypsy Rose Blanchard. If you don't know about Dee Dee and Gypsy Rose Blanchard, check this out. 
Um, and if you do know about them, you'll probably find out a bunch of shit that you didn't even know yet. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to yeah. blow your mind. So check that out. And also just like, I think HBO has a lot of really great documentaries on there. So check that out also. Cool. So, uh, uh, I guess we're like done. Yeah, we just this. gotta we gotta talk about it next time, <laughs> and that's how we close. The next <laughs> book we're reading is Kevin Wilson's Perfect Little World. Woo! Uh, this is a book I picked out. It was a book of the month club and sounded uh weirdly creepy, so I decided to pick it. Upon reading a bit of it, it's not creepy, but it is really interesting, and I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, it's actually not creepy at all. No. Yeah, Kevin Wilson, Perfect Little Worlds. There's also lots of great stuff up on the blog right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wonder Woman, um, Emily's uh, Grady Hendrix-themed slash... Exorcism-themed. Uh, Exorcism-themed. Slash teen girl friendship-themed. Well... <laughs> We're not sure yet, I don't know but... because I haven't posted it yet, but it will be posted by the time... You hear this. It is posted. It is, yeah. So good. Check that's it out. why you just gotta it's be there. big. Well, like, I tried to, and then they tried uh, to specify, and I was yeah. like, well. Wait, yeah, you have to write about all those things. Yeah. But anyway, uh, lots of good stuff on the blog. And also, please, please remember to subscribe to us on everything, if possible. <laughs> but it's okay if you just want to subscribe to us on your podcatcher a word that I hate of choice. Um, I've never heard that. It's terrible. It's a bad (laughs) word. Uh, But yes, please subscribe to us. Please rate and review us. If you review us and send us an email, you get a chance to win stuff. So definitely do that and follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We are book squad goals on all of those things. Um, Hashtag book squad goals. And, also, go to our website, which is booksquad.ink, like a squid. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>